Welcome to the Cryptomaniacs Podcast. Join Taskmaster 4450 and John G. Olson each and every week as they dive into the crazy world of cryptocurrency. If you are new to crypto or you've been through a few bear markets in the past, this podcast is for you. It's time to start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to uh, an, imp- an impromptu uh, uh, Crypto Mediacs podcast. Uh, we're actually recording on Zoom and you're going, well, where was the live stream? We didn't do one. Uh, live streams are for suckers. No, just joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going direct because we're, where in the world is Matt Starkers is, is the theme of the, the show. And uh, uh, it, I, we're not going to blame his internet. It's definitely we're going to blame Restream because uh, that's the easy third party to blame. Uh, but we're here regardless. We're recording on Zoom. Uh, this this should be a fun show task. I'm I'm assuming this will be a good one. No, <laughs> it, it's been fun leading up to the start. We've been messing around for a while, and so and we always love Matt coming on. He he always has good things to say. He always has informative things to say. He's involved in one of the more exciting projects tied to Hive and and involved, of course, with They Call Me Dan, who's involved in a diff- few different things. Plus, Matt is a great guy, a fun guy, and, and we always have good conversations with him. So welcome, sir. Welcome back to the show. But solo this time so yeah apologies for some reason my software or my internet connection every time i try and speak there's something wrong so uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing a, a bog standard zoom call which is nice and reliable and, and we seem to have a good signal now so it's nice to speak to you both yeah well you Matt, john brought up a point the last time you were on we had you and dan and you had technical difficulties and and Dan had to do a, a lot of the lifting, which he did. He, he carried the show, which we were very grateful for. And so now we thought we'd have you back so you could like um, contradict everything Dan said. And since you, you weren't on the air. And... <laughs> okay, did Dan really <laughs> tell tell say us that? why he was so all wrong. We're going to take over the internet. Did he really say that? <laughs> so, um, let, let's get some of the, uh, I mean, and Dan did a great job of talking about Ragnarok, which of course is his project. He gave us an update on, on three speak at that time or speak network, excuse me, at that time, but it's been probably about a month now. Is there anything uh, you want to toss out there about speak network or anything that you guys are working on that's kind of new and exciting uh, over the last, let's say four or five weeks? Yeah, sure things. I mean, the, the, the encoder system's about to go out. Uh, yesterday evening, this morning, I can see all the guys talking in the encoder room. Uh, so they're going to start running those, live, those nodes live. And it will be a, a clunky test period, as software always is, is but it will kind of launch out. So it means now we've got the peer-to-peer encoder um, cluster running, which effectively makes a cluster of encoders for 3Speak. And then the app will basically see which nodes are free, uh, which encoders are free, and use those to encode jobs uh, through the network, through the speed network. So that's really cool. That's all open source. Um, we're also speaking with the guys that worked on the Dollar Vigilante site. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, Dollar Vigilante runs a site on Hive. 
where it's got Hivercans integrated, it posts to Hive, it basically uses a PeerTube um, clone. And he's been speaking to us, he's got very similar views to us. He wants to integrate the Speak Network into what he's building over there. He's about to release a Hive tube so anyone can create their own video platform that runs through Hive. Um, so it's just super cool, like super great to be in touch with him. Um, Chris Rice put us in touch, and uh, yeah, it's been great. So we're looking forward to that. Um, the other thing that Dan and sources behind this, yeah, well, we've seen an opportunity where the Honeycomb software that um, the three speak that runs three speaks chain. Basically, what you can have is everyone running a speak network node already, they could run, it's basically a honeycomb software node, right? So let's just say it's a honeycomb node and it by default runs the speak network. And when we change the governance process to that, to a DPoS top 20 election via speak tokens, you will have a top 20 select group of nodes, right? So that'll be like a DPoS voting system on that uh, um, node structure. At the moment it's proof of stake, uh, but we'll switch to DPoS at some point in the future. And then we were like, well, hold on a minute. So it's super lightweight and cheap to run a honeycomb node, as probably a couple of you guys know from uh, having a go out or speaking to people that are running um, speak claim chain nodes already. And the reason for that is because all the accounts, all the token uh, clearance, all the resource credit system, the followers, the um, just everything to do with the chain is on Hive, tech storage, and the only thing that the speak claim chain, the Honeycomb software and the speak claim chain does is it looks after um, initial, like immediate unsettled transactions, liquidity in the DEX and the DEX, right? That's basically all it is. And then there's, of course, the governance layer, the proof of stake governance layer on that as well. So we got to thinking, hold on a minute. If, you, if each one of these Honeycomb nodes represents, the, once we build DPoS governance into it, it represents a super lightweight governance layer, right? And then we use that on Speak Network. That's great, it's proven. But then it's like, hold on a minute. What if we were to do that for Ethereum? What if we were to do that for Pulse Chain? What if we were to do that for Polygon? Where what we did is what Steam, the same thing that Steam and Hive did, where Steam was forked into Hive and the founder's balance was sent to the DAO, right? Well, we could do the same for every other chain, right? So all these chains that have got, they're going to, because obviously the regulatory risk is coming up now, it's, it's starting to get hot, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if we were to get, if we were to build a, a direct copy of the speak governance node on Honeycomb with a DPoS layer, we could effectively drop tokens minus the founders balances and the ICO balances to the community members of Ethereum or of uh, Polygon and, and all these other major chains, but put it on a DPoS governance layer so they can elect their own witnesses, right? And then it's free transactions, right? It all goes on Hive. And... Um, all we would need to do, then they would just run the original nodes, but we'd modify the nodes to take out the governance layer and to take out the, the token layer. So it would just be the technology of the nodes. Uh, and then we'd figure out a way to link that top layer node for the technology back to the honeycomb layer node with the DPoS governance. 
and boom, we've got uh, an ability to effectively carry out what was the high fork process just in sun process to all of these other chains and transfer them to DPoS governance. Obviously, it's more nuanced than that. We've got to look into it, but that's the principle we're looking at at the moment. And it's a very logical next step from where the speed network is, because once we've got that up and running and governance is running, it's, it's basically a copy-paste job. And obviously, each chain, we will need to find someone to tie the top-layer technology down to the governance layer on Honeycomb. But, I mean, it's going to make it super easy to fork these chains. So, so what you would do is, let, let's say Polygon, and I don't even know who's behind Polygon, but you, you fork Polygon. So you would fork the EVM. So you got Polygon fork, whatever, whatever it's called. So now you got the Polygon fork. So there's two chains running. So applications can move from Polygon onto the fork or actually just duplicate what the, their application is running on now the fork in addition to the main chain. But you fork out the founder snake and you have the DPoS governance system tied to Honeycomb on this new chain as opposed to whatever the hell governance Polygon uses, which I don't even know what the hell governance they use. But uh, that so that, that would apply to basically every chain that's out there. Yes, yes. And effectively, then the inflation on those chains can go to the node operators. And all that the node operators have to do is they have to run the Honeycomb node with the, the DPoS governance and also attach an original node, right? The original chain node with, with well, there'll probably be the governance layer removed from that, obviously, the token layer removed from that, but it'll be a copy of the original node. And they'll just tie together. Once you can prove that you're running the original software node, the community can use those we call them H ETH or H poly tokens because they're on Honeycomb to, to DPoS vote your node in into a governance layer, into a top 10, 20 governance layer, and then just tie that governance layer back to the original nodes and they would then take the precedence. The top 20 would take the precedent. And it enables us to effectively come out and say, hey, we've, um, we've just eliminated your regulatory risk. And, we, and by the way, all transactions are free, feeless. Right. How would the transactions be feeless? Are the transactions actually being sent over Hive? Yeah, they, they would be on Honeycomb and then back to, and then settled on Hive. Yeah. So they're feeless. all settled, settled on Hive. So is Hive's account management system then by default able to be pushed into these chains? Well, it's more, are these chains able to run Hive accounts? That's, that's the way we do it. You, you, when you claim your original account on the original chain, and it would give you a Hive account with the balance company. So it's exactly like the Speak Network, exactly the same thing. You, you, the people who claim Hive claim their balances. They don't run Honeycomb accounts, they run Hive accounts. And see the process of working there. <laughs> well, 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 you were stalling a little bit out there, so it took a, a while to, to get that through. But uh, yeah, it, it, that's very interesting. Right, right, right. So, so basically, <laughs> if you guys get this technology uh, in, in terms of, like you said, the integration between the the, the nodes running the, the the original chains and tying it into to uh, Honeycomb. We're going to see a lot of forking going on, I, I, I hypothesize. 
I mean, potentially, yeah. We're, we're obviously not going to go crazy or anything. We're doing one by one. For, for example, there's an example of this right now happening. Um, Pulse Chain, Richard Hart, the guy that did Hex, he's just done the same thing on Pulse Chain. He's turned Ethereum and copied all the open source dApps on Ethereum, and he's turned it into a DPoS system. So Pulse Chain is a DPoS version of ETH, so it's got either low or zero fees, and it's got a top 20 set of validators. But what has he done? He's given himself something like 80% of the tokens. Yeah. And he's he's done it because he thinks no one else can think like him and no one else is thinking about doing this type of stuff. What he doesn't realize is that an ecosystem like Hive can easily manage all of this stuff and do it ethically by not giving any centralized party any of the tokens and just dropping those tokens to the original community. And then people can run validator nodes, people can run nodes and earn some of the inflation to keep the um the infrastructure up and running that's it and you get free transactions on hive it's very interesting john that he said this three days after we had brian of london on because matt we had him on tuesday i saw the show i saw the Uh, show it was great and what 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 you're saying here is reminding me of what he said there about podping and how Adam Curry initially wanted to set up Podping and they were talking about doing it and buying their servers and stuff. And the value really comes in the fact that Hive has the node infrastructure in place. It was just a matter of tying into that. And they save thousands of dollars a month in server costs. Plus it is a decentralized application now because it's pulling this index or the indexes are pulling the data from hive and it sounds like the same thing you're talking about here is you are just simply tapping into the infrastructure you're not looking at rebuilding redoing the tire it's already there so you just tap right into it exactly exactly and it's 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 an obvious next move you know and you know we, we don't want to think small. The speak network's a big deal. Uh, but, the, but honestly, once, we, once, you know, once you realize that that technology is in place, that ne- the next logical move using the honeycomb technology is to figure out a way to fork a lot of these other chains and get rid of their regulatory risk for them. Um, it may not work for the first couple. We might fall flat on our faces. But I think at some point, people these chains. It's all been moved to a DAO, which can be voted on to distribute currency, the, the inflation is going to the infrastructure operators and the transactions are free. <laughs> it's like a no, at some point it becomes a no brainer, you know? Shit. Well, so, then, so, then, so it seems that it's Then you start to wonder why, why would you use Polygon or, or BNB, you know, where it costs you, okay, it's not bad. It's like 10 cents a transaction or something, but why spend 10 cents when the, it's the, basically uh, fee the only thing they're going to have left is the liquidity. Mm. You know, once yeah. this tech gets running, the only thing that they would have to, to, to say superior is the liquidity is there. But with working with peer place, they've already built a peer place to Bitcoin um, swap mechanism. And that mm. swap mechanism is in an escrow that is voted in with a DPoS. So it's, it's like, I think it's a top 20 or a top 10, top 11, maybe I can't remember. But there's a top 20 or so voted in to look after the DPoS keys. Uh, for the multi-sig on Bitcoin and on peer plays. And every time someone gets voted out, the keys is, uh, the, the, the balance is automatically moved and the keys are swapped to the next guy that got voted in. Uh, it all happens. 
and it's amazing technology. It's the SONS technology, swap technology. And because it's on DPoS, it's all feeless swaps, you know, and it's, it's, it's trustless and the escrow holding the, the original lock supply when you do the, do the swap to the new chain or the wrapping to the new chain. It's all, it's a decentralized swap with a DPoS vote. So effectively, you can get to a point in that you can see a point in the future. They're also working on Ethereum. So we'll have a, a mechanism to swap Hive and speak to Ethereum via PeerPlace chain. Uh, the same will happen then. It's an easy copy across to BSC and Polygon because they're all on the same code base. Mm. And um, you can see a future where you might have, this is my vision for it, you have a, a, a plugin to your desktop. Maybe it's even built into Keychain and you just go swap. And you don't even need a Peers Place account because you can just go, I want to swap it from my Hive account to Polygon to go where the liquidity is. And uh, in between there, there's a, there's a decentralized escrow on peer plays that looks after all that shit for you and spits it out on the other end to your Polygon account, right? So and it's it's amazing. I've seen it working. We've we've had we've seen the BTC side and it's it works. We've seen also wrapping from Hive to Poly to, to, to peer plays that works as well. We're trying to get a few things closed out with their node operators because then their node operation isn't great yet. But we're getting there. We're nearly getting there. And then it's a case of getting liquidity together because. In order to run their node, you need some peer place tokens, and their dex is okay, but it's not liquid enough yet. But we'll—I think we'll get there, and I think we'll have that that system up and running. And it's a case of waiting. Once we've got the solidity wrapping back to Polygon, BSC, and Peerplay and Ethereum, that's where the liquidity is. So, and then it's a case—it's the same mentality. Like use Web two social media to funnel your users to Web three that you actually own. It's the same thing here. Like you, I think it was you, Tass, that said about a year ago, maybe, uh, transaction by transaction, we should figure out ways to move mm. our transaction and spending from the original system to Web3, to, 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 to blockchain. It's the same thing with this. It's like liquidity provided by liquidity provider. Start figuring out ways to move it across. And because, and, and I know this is what draws you, Tass, and probably leads us into the next discussion topic, but... The fact that all this 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 feeless technology is here, we've got the stablecoin technology here and everything. It's the obvious end place, you know, for all this liquidity. Well, what what I like, and uh, in fact, I, I wrote an article about it this morning, and we've had numerous discussions. You and I, uh, I've written num number of posts. You and and Dan have talked about it on. CTT, John and I had conversations on, on our uh, Friday show, which is a question and answer show typically, and it's about HBD. Uh, and, you know, we all talk about network effects, which is a, a, a liquidity obviously plays into that, but there's other factors in social media and, and all types of stuff with network effects. But basically, when you look at currency, it all comes down to network effects. The, the problem is, and, and when we look at the Terra uh, the UST Luna situation and what happened there is they were able to build the network effects on UST and they got that running up and, and a lot of people sure. were jumping on it and everybody was doing it and then that drove the price of Luna skyrocketing because everybody was speculating. The problem is is that was fleeting because and then they tried to use Bitcoin as as the reserve as the backer and, you know, there was a whole bunch of issues there. And I don't know if anybody really knows other than the fact that people are just pre presuming that that dough ran off with it all. But anyway, leaving that aside, here's the main point. The main 
value backing HBD has to be high. And so everybody says, well, what's backing it? If you push all the value in the network effects like you're talking about, like uh, Brian of London was talking about, and enhancing the value of the Hive ecosystem, that's where the value lies. Then you have the resiliency, like um, I'm sure you, you're, you're well aware of when Soros crashed the, the pound. Well, he, he crashed the pound. He made himself a couple billion dollars or whatever he did. But the pound didn't go away. The pound didn't go to zero. The pound actually only went down about 35% or so. So it was because of the resiliency that was already there due to the network effect, if you will, of the pound. And it's the same thing here. We get the resiliency, the network effect on Hive, where due to everything you're talking about here, it takes off. Well, guess what's back in HBD? That's what the reserve is, is the hive. Yeah, the price will fluctuate and we have other mechanisms for that, but the value is there. And when you start to talk about Hive's account management system and you said like you guys are sitting there stunned, I'm just thinking if that Hive account management system is integrated with everything you just mentioned, I mean, that would have, have my hair falling out if I had it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this this is the point, isn't it? You know, as you see, the hive ecosystem is growing. It's not slowing down. It's slowly but surely ticking along and growing more and more rapidly. But it's a great example of how damn cheap it is. And it's just an investment. You invest and you can run your centralized notifications content with something like $5,000 worth. and getting money back hopefully it's appreciated by then as well whereas on a, on a traditional mechanism you're probably spending five grand a month this is a great example and once word gets out i think um it'll do very very well it's been used it to know sure that respeak can build something like this in with time as well where we notify our users if people are uploading a video or whatever um this is, this is a great, great opportunity. And, and then it's like, you're talking about the system definitely can handle um, the ability to transact all these different chains. If some of, just if some of their infrastructure operators can come over, some of these original chains will be able to operate on high with zero fees and it starts, you know, the utilities there. And then it's like, okay, well, if the price crashes, unlike with UST, there's actually a group of people that need the token, regardless of the price. They are yeah. holders of last resort, right? And, and that's starting to, they're starting to grow. That's because the utility of Hive is growing. There's more and more holders of last resort. There's Splinterlands and there's all the other content apps and there's our app and Speak Network need, will need it. Brian's app will need it for the podcasting notifications. And on it, listeners will need it, right? And you need a certain amount of Hive to, to, to satisfy your user base's demand. Um, and so that that's going to be representing the holders of last resort, and that's only going to keep growing. Uh, and so if the prices do crash at some point, you know, if I've come through another another period of turmoil, it's got that intrinsic value built into it, just like you say mm -hmm. the pound had. Um, and that then forms the basis for the backing of a serious stable coin, as long as you don't hyperinflate the stable coin. Like, um, well, I shouldn't say that you, you don't overback the stable coin, like, um, like. Dequan did where I think the stablecoin's market cap was I think it was equal to or more than the market cap 
of the, the, the token back in it. And it's like, that's not sustainable. You need to make sure that the, the market cap of the stable coin is minuscule compared to the market cap of, of the main token. Uh, and then if that token's got a backing and utility behind it with holders of last resort, you have a basis for a serious legitimate stable coin, which I think Hive is now building. Yeah, what, what it's called uh, is, is you have a baseline demand uh, for for your for for your currency there for for your coin, uh, speaking about hive, and so the hive the hive coin has a baseline demand for all these reasons you mentioned, uh, and one of the things that because there is still the speculation aspect to hive, uh, I'll use somebody like Dan. There is a point in time that if the price of hive goes low enough. Dan will back up the truck and start buying in huge quantities. And there's a, a point in time, I don't know whether it's five cents, 10 cents, 25 cents, there's a level where a lot of buyers jump in because of the exact reason you said, there's that base level demand plus the belief that if it gets low enough, this thing will go higher. So that kind of provides that equilibrium. The other thing, and this is gonna be the subject of, of one of my posts coming up, the other thing we need to do, and, and you guys have talked about it on CTT, Dan's talked about it, in, uh, about different ideas he's had over the years. And really, I think a point of focus in addition to the resource credits is we need to start to brainstorm, put together plans of driving value to Hive, the token, not only just the blockchain like you and Brian of London, Splinterlands are doing, but how give people incentive or reason to hold the token and dan's talked about you know maybe charging fees and sending that to high power holders and so that helps their high power you know ultimately maybe the sip if that gets up and running and, and generating enough profits that can be fed in so whereas all of a sudden and you know it doesn't have to be a 90 percent return but all of a sudden by holding high power you get maybe 10 12 15 percent annually apr for power not plus whatever you can get from your curation or your delegation to get other tokens, whatever you do. But there's fees, there's the inflation adjustment, there's all these different things feeding in that says, you know what, if I go out and buy Hive, yes, it can fluctuate up and down like everything else, but I can get 10% APR or 12% APR. Um, that gives people all of a sudden incentive to hold Hive in addition to everything you just said. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, uh, the other thing that I think that's clever is, I, I mean, effectively, people are getting between 9 and 15% APR. I mean, you guys are, are some of the masters on the platform at maximizing what, what you can get out of your high stake. But it's like, how rather than just staking, what else can we get people doing? Can we get them interacting with the apps more? Which is effectively what we have at the moment. You know, It's like the more you interact with the, the ecosystem, the more you post, the more you kind of mingle with the people on the ecosystem the more you get upvotes over time, you start to build that reputation. You get, you can, you can earn more and more rewards from it. So yeah, I, th I think that's a great, that whole incentive mechanism of how do we create apps that allow you to interact and games and things like this allow you to interact. And then as a result, you get rewarded more because you're interacting more, you know, and you utilize the chain more. That, that's kind of where I think it's going to go. It's more or less. Yeah, I, I, th I agree with you. I, I think as if you start looking at the different layers and, and at our base layer, if you look at what I look at, 
is I look at fast and feverish transactions account management. From a technical standpoint, and, and we'll, we'll put kind of a side tangent there, scalability, because it seems like Block Trades and, and his team keep looking at scalability. But if you look at uh, fast feverish transactions and account management as what does Hive do if, if you're building, that's what it does. And that is very, very powerful with what you guys, what you just said, you're talking about implementing because fast feverish transactions versus even 10 or 20 cents on BNB plus an account that I can have a name to instead of just a wallet address. Yeah, and actually it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the, say the Bitcoin max is right. I think it's very toxic. And what, they, <laughs> what they're doing is they're saying this technology is crap because it's all a scam. Right. It's like what we're trying to say is separate the technology from the tokens. Right. The technology, some of these technologies are great. It's just that the, 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 the owners of the ecosystems gave themselves too many freaking tokens. Right. And it's like, well, if we just take the technology, because it's all open source and forkable. Right. Take the technology and then just redistribute the token layer to the actual community members and, and put the the VCs amounts in DAOs, now you've got a, a censorship resistant, um, effectively a system that's outside of the realms of regulation because who are they going to go to? Who are they going to approach? Mm. Right? Once you've got a distributed token like that, and now they can vote with those tokens, they can put in their, their favorite node operators, their infrastructure operators, and they can send and, and create liquidity for free with zero fees. I mean, so now instead, instead of the, the Bitcoin is saying, oh, it's a scam, no, not as tokens in a way that are legitimate and the technology is still there. Well, now you've got to pay attention, you know, plus it's free fees. Um, I, I can't wait for this all to happen. And, and the Bitcoins will say, oh, it's centralized because it's only 20 nodes that are operating. Well, first of all, maybe we can turn it to 40 nodes in some of these cases. And secondly, uh, I think for, for a lot of this technology, 20 nodes is enough if you've got backup nodes, right, which there'll be an unlimited number of backup nodes. Um, so we'll see how it works, you know, and if the Bitcoiners want to say, oh, it's still centralized, well, let them attack it. Let them attack it and see. Let's see if it, see if it, it holds up, which I'm, I'm very confident it will. You know? Well, and, and the problem with the Bitcoin Maxi's viewpoint, at least there's a lot of problems, but in my opinion, but with just this, Bitcoin's essentially run by five major uh, mining pools. So, this too. you know, yeah. really, even though there's a bazillion miners out there, I mean, the bulk of it's just basically five pools. And, and I, I'll be the first to say I think Bitcoin's decentralized because I don't think you could get those five pools to agree on anything. They're not going to agree to a 51% attack. So I think it's decentralized enough that you can't attack Bitcoin. But I also think Hive with 20 consensus witnesses and, you know, 100 or whatever, 80 um, backup witnesses or backup nodes, Plus, as we grow bigger, more nodes will show up. So like you said, we could end up with two, 300 backup nodes at some point. I mean, you know, if there's a oh. witness who, who, who ends up doing something that's against the community, that, that, that one's voted out of consensus very quickly. Right, right. And here's the beauty of this, because now you're looking at, I just, I just made the first diagram. It's very basic. I'm not going to issue it yet, but we just thought, but it's, it's basically a matrix, a mesh matrix, right? With all the node operators down one side, and then which it's across on which chains they're operating, right? So what you're going to be able to do is you run the Honeycomb software, where you're going to be able to click on for Polygon, click on for uh, Ethereum, click on, well, I should call it H Polygon, H Ethereum, right? Uh, click on for Speed Network, 
or whichever ones of these chains you want to run. And as long as you can then attach the original master, the original node, the top, the top layer node to that from the original chain, you now are running the governance layer plus the technology layer of, um, of that ecosystem. And you can just click on and off whichever ones you want. Right. And then, and then of course you'll be able to see, oh, this node operator is operating all bloody five ecosystems or all six ecosystems or all seven, whatever we end up running. Right. Well, I, I want to vote him into the consensus more because this guy's doing more work for the ecosystem. Right. Um, so that's, that's the way that's going to look. Um, and, and, and just com coming back to the HBD, um, I want to go into this a little bit because I think fantastic it help us be able to see how we can take let's assume what we said about the HBD it's legit legit backed by the, the activity on Hive and let's hold as a last resort on Hive which there are and that grows and it becomes a reasonable size market cap stable coin and then we get the bonds going and people are earning decent API like you said on the bonds and then we can start doing layer two collateralization loan systems that allow you to um, turn those bonds into NFTs and trade them on markets and use them as collateral and get loans and speculate with them, right? This is it. I mean, this is already built in some of the crypto platforms, but it doesn't have the decentralized base layer on the, on the token. And the, the tokens are also fluctuating tokens. We're talking about a stable coin here that's not backed by any fiat because it's decentralized and we can actually do that because we're not over backing it with the, with the token, right? We're, we're making sure there's a reasonable, responsible backing there. And um, I just think there's a, a massive opportunity. And then, and then and this is where guys like you, Task, I see you getting very excited about where this can go. And I, I, I just want to keep that conversation going because I think I can learn a lot from that. I think the devs that we're working with can learn a lot from that and then end up building systems that really cater to that um, and provide an alternative to the shadow banking system on a transparent blockchain that can't be regulated. You know, I think that's where this goes. So I, I got something to ask you, sir. Um, you mentioned something about maxis. And every time there's the maxi discussion, I get fascinated with it because of this, this mentality of like it's Bitcoin and everything else sucks. Um, what, what do you think personally, and this is kind of a little side topic before we jump back into it. What do you think needs to happen or will it happen where like the, the Bitcoin maximalist approach to this stuff doesn't exist anymore like do you see a time where crypto will be embraced as a whole or will there always be the tribalism that we see with the maximalists i think people are very comfortable in their tribalism for now you know um but I, i've got three three very simple major items that the bitcoin maxes just can't do and they have to be able to do this to contribute to digital sovereignty and digital freedom right they can't do votes, they can't vote, right? You need to have transparent voting systems on blockchains. Hive can. Um, they can't um, distribute governance weighting. They can't distribute governance rights to different people on the chain. So if the community feels that one member is more valuable than another because the other one member's contributed more, that community is capable to make those votes more valuable. From that user right that's a governance vote distribution you could have one account one vote or you could have one token one vote or you could have a mixture of the two bitcoin can't do any of that right. and then lastly um that i think is a major there's many other things that bitcoin can't do but another thing that's major the third thing is um 
social media accounts, they can't guarantee, they can guarantee the transaction, right? They can guarantee you can send value to each other on a layer that's decentralized, but they can't guarantee you can speak, right? So these social media accounts are of critical importance to communication and free speech, right? So that's also something Bitcoin can't do. And then it can't do smart contracts as well. And there's a whole other myriad of things that smart contracts can do that, that are all essential to digital freedom and keeping free online. Bitcoin basically is the savings mechanism. It's a savings mechanism and it's a guarantee of the ability to transfer value, right? That's the way I see it. Um, it's about 15% of the problem. We need it for sure, I'm a massive Bitcoin supporter, but it's not the only thing. You cannot be a maxi and be pro-freedom. How can you, it's a, it's a juxtaposition because if you're a maxi, you're by definition against um, the ability to vote. You're against the ability to write smart contracts. You're against the ability to have your own social media account. You're against the ability to distribute governance rights. Those are, those are essential ingredients to digital freedom online. And we have to have a mixture of all of that going on. Um, the problem is, so where they, where they find solace is the fact that all these tokens that have been built, they're all freaking scams, basically, because they're all ICOs who are going to get regulated, right? Or, they, or they get, they've got too much venture capital, or they've got um, pre-seeds and pre-rounds and CEOs and founders and companies that can be sued, right? They, but that, that doesn't mean that the technology isn't excellent. And the thing that I, I can't understand, that the, the wall they can't get past the maxis is separate the technology from the governance layer. And you have, if you redistribute the governance layer in a fair way that excludes the founders and excludes the ICOs and excludes the VCs, right? You now have legitimate non-scam token distributions. And the technology is still there. It's still open source technology. You just copy it. Right, and, and this this is what needs to happen. This is what we want to do with the honeycomb stuff because it's going to take the argument away from the maxes because they're going to say, "Oh, it's a scam." Well, once we redistribute the tokens, so it excludes all of these corrupt entities, they can't say the tokens are a scam anymore. But even without that, it's like just disconnect the technology from the token systems. You, every time you say it's a scam, you're referring to the governance and token layer. You're not referring to the technology itself. You know, and I, I can't understand why they can't see that disconnect and then to top it off the pressure i want to put is if you are going to stick to being a maxi like that you are how do you how do you support a voting system a transparent voting system how do you support transparent distribution of governance rights how do you support the digital social media accounts that can't be confiscated you know how do you support that because you're either against them or for it right well if you're a maxi you by definition against that shit because you can't build that shit on bitcoin um so then, then I'm kind of my, my, my point is well, pressure needs to be applied because we're so the waste here. Digital freedom is on the line, and this is no joke, right? Every day counts, and the longer you stall on supporting only the savings mechanism and, and, and then ignoring projects that could give you the ability to distribute governance rights, give you the ability to vote, give you the ability to preserve social media accounts, you ignore those projects. And even, and even censor them and speak out against them because you think that the token layer is distributed and the governance layer is distributed. Forget about that. Take the tech and redistribute the tokens. You know, don't just call it a scam. Like that's that all that's going to do is just secure Bitcoin, but it's not going to give you digital freedom because you need the voting rights. You need the social media accounts to, to guarantee um, digital freedom. And Bitcoin isn't going to do that for you. All it's going to do is guarantee your savings account. 
you know, it's just frustrating to watch it happen. And they seem to really focus, like, especially the, the, the Bitcoin guys, they, they swear by Twitter. They swear by all these, you know, traditional social media accounts that they're talking, just like you said, freedom, freedom, freedom. Meanwhile, they're using these things that'll, you know, shut them down in a heartbeat. And it's just like, isn't it funny how they're all promoted to the top? Isn't it funny how a lot of the Bitcoin maxes are blue check marks? Safe, safety, for example, blue check mark, massive, massively ignorant about everything that comes to it across his front desk because he just thinks he commits this all scams. It's probably right, but it doesn't mean that the technology is a scam. It just means the token distribution is a scam. And he can't get that through his head. So he tells his followers, oh, just ignore it all. It's all scams. Forget about it. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Well, no, that's that's the equivalent of saying savings, savings, savings account. Savings account, great. But voting rights, forget that shit. Don't need that shit. Right. Um, social media accounts and the right to speak. Don't need that shit. I'll use Twitter. Yeah, of course you use Twitter now. You're a blue check mark, right? But what happens when you're not? What are you going to do then? You know, look, it's just, oh, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. So I'm doing everything I can to, 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 to turn that around and take his scam excuse away, you know? I want to distribute tokens in it in the most easiest way possible using this honeycomb software that distributes the governance rights and uh, use the scans distributions. And then we just copy the technology. Is it a scam when we remove these seats? How is it a scam when we remove these So we'll see. We'll see. Hope Hopefully, hopefully it comes to these Bitcoin maxes start to turn around and go, well, actually, no, we do need the social media accounts outside the, the platforms. Oh, well, actually, no, we do need the voting rights. We do need the ability to distribute voting rights. We do need the ability to vote on transparent systems. Bitcoin can't do any of that stuff, and it never will. It's not supposed to. So if you're anti that stuff, are you anti-freedom? Because it sounds starts to sound like that to me. Because you're not going to guarantee my voting rights by supporting Bitcoin. You know going to guarantee my ability to earn voting rights you're not going to guarantee my ability to preserve my free speech on web free uh, social media accounts because you because you're pro-bitcoin you're anti everything else so now you're anti my right to speak that's the way i'm seeing it okay you can talk on twitter there's a reason you're allowed to talk on twitter right well i i i look at it as anti-market and and john how how many are anti-free market, I should say. How, how many Bitcoin are there going to be produced? Anti-competition, right? Well, it, it's anti-free market. John, how many Bitcoin are going to be produced? 21 million. 21 million. Let me ask you a question. What if the economy needs 25 million? Right. What happens then? Oh, well, hey, yeah, nah. <laughs> I, I mean, where did 21 million? And they'll say, well, it breaks down into Satoshi's. Okay, whatever number Satoshi's 21 million equals out to. You know, already Michael Saylor owns X number of Satoshis. And this is the problem with what they call sound money. It's really fixed money. And historically, fixed money is always pooled, which then leads to income and wealth inequality. It leads to tyranny. It's anti-free market. And one of the, I mean, Matt just answered it in, in the digital uh, freedom realm. But I answer it from a, a monetary perspective, and, and this kind of leads into what we were talking about a little bit before, and, and, and Matt uh, threw out there the shadow banking system. And, and really, if you look at that system, which is the euro dollar system, the international banking system, a lot of different balance sheet banking, a lot of different things, but what it really is, is shadow money. Because these banks over 70 years 
have created money that they utilize that's outside the reach of the central uh, uh, government. It's outside the reach of the uh, central banks. And it's a system that's unregulated, but it's banker controlled. And so what we're looking at doing and what Matt was describing and, and, and everything else that we see, it's replicating this system, which is a reserveless bank money system. We're looking at recreating that just without the banks. We're getting rid of the banks. We'll throw them out, out, out the door and we'll use blockchains to replicate the banks. And now we have the... Uh, the immutability, we got the transparency, and we got the inclusiveness, because now anybody can participate, and not just do you have to be a, a, a large international bank or, or an international bank. And when you ask me about Bitcoin, they all hop onto this idea of inflationary money, not realizing that since the great financial crisis, we've been dealing with deflationary money, because reserves aren't money. They can't be collateralized. They're nothing. So the Fed could print up 300 trillion in, in reserves. It doesn't mean anything. Only depository institutions can have that. And so when you look at the international banking system, it's starved for dollars. It's starved for collateral. Matt and I have had this conversation. And this was the idea between the high bonds is being able to take a sound, time-locked, fixed return asset which is when you put your HPD in a time vault, once we get that capability, let's say for a year at X number of percent return, there's a stream of payments everybody can see, know, and understand. Then you could have those tokenized in a bond type situation, have an exchange that trades them, and all of a sudden now you have a situation where just like with US treasuries, it can move up and down, the interest rate will go up and down on the open market, but the return, the coupon is still there. And now you have the ability to take that, collateralize it, you have the ability to get into derivatives trading, you have the ability to get into a host of other things that my point is, and, and what Matt was starting to describe, to understand, to replace the existing system, we need to understand it. And so to go into this idea of what money is based upon this Twitter-based bullshit, you know, people in the early 1900s, the number one medium of, of exchange was checks. They weren't using cash. More money was transferred back and forth using checks in the early 1900s than, than fiat, than, than cash. Well, guess what? Checks are ledger-based banking. That's ledger-based accounting, uh, ledger-based uh, money. Checks are not cash, but that's what was utilized. And so when we start to look at like an HBD and, and a variety of other tokens, I mean, there it doesn't have to be just one stable coin that like replaces the US dollar. We could have 50 different stable coins spread on all different types of blockchains or, or all different types of systems that are decentralized outside the reach of any government and are, are usable. And okay, so maybe they won't have a $500 trillion market cap, but who gives a shit? If you have 50 of them with, you know, a trillion market cap each, that works too. See, see it sounds to me, we the feared government currency, but to me that I would, I would 
consider referring to them as community tokens. It's going to be the communities that back these tokens, you know, and each community is going to be its own like sovereign digital nation. And then if we can build the economics behind these community tokens in the way that you're talking about task, you have potentially a stable or relatively stable that trades between the other community tokens on, on a kind of FX type basis. So they're a stable. Um, and, and the other thing I want to point out here, we, I thought it was a great point you made, you know, in regards to coin. And if you look at it, that's a one world um, system which will deflate, it will deflate and it won't necessarily, it won't um, meet monetary expansion demand in the various different societies around the world. And I put out a tweet the other day where I said, like, each society needs to breathe on its own separately and they're dynamic and they breathe separately. You can't have one savings currency to run all of that. You have to have all these different little inflationary and deflationary pools expanding and contracting as their as their individual economies are expanding or contracting, right? It's like so. So it's like what you need. And the way I'm actually working on a project called the Great British DAO. Um, we want to talk to you a bit more about that task actually separately, but we'll 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 speak to you. More it's easy if we can get it, but. Um, Basically, the idea behind this is it's a similar system to Hype. It's a community token. It's all on the decentralized tech and everything. But it's like it's an it's an inflationary token. So it inflates, it distributes for doing various tasks, right? Various things in the community. And there's a way that each community can identify as a community member. There's lots of different ways you could do that. How many ways you want to cut a piece, slice a piece of cheese, you know? So you've got your you're a member of the community for whatever for whatever reason you prove that you're a member or you've got some idea or you've got some agreement from the other members of the community or whatever it is right so you're part of this digital community and then you have this inflationary token and then that goes it's, it's distributed through either a DAO or through doing activity and you get some of this inflation right so now you get voting rights so it's just very similar to the high ecosystem and then but then on top of that we want to add a transaction tax that the community votes on so there's like a, a tax in the community. And then what it means is every time you send one transaction, there's going to be a certain percentage of transaction that's taken away and given back to the community, maybe burned, right? And that's set by votes by the community itself. It's not set by a central central regulator. It's set by the community through a voting system. And what it means is the community, most of the time, they'll probably set that at zero, zero transaction fee. But in the good times, when they're doing really well and they produce a lot of economic products and there's a lot of demand for their token, because they're doing great things and they're releasing great products or, or providing great services or whatever sort of the people that want to pay for, then what they can do is they can try monetary supply as they're starting to reach the top of their monetary curve. And then they can even put that through removing from, from supply. To just balance out in case they're over and starting to reach inflationary pressures, right? So it's like they could see, oh, we, 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 our economic activity isn't matching the amount of token in supply. So now we're going to use a mechanism like a transaction tax to remove some of that from supply to retract the economic pool so we don't get inflationary pressures. We keep the stability of our token. And then, boom, as, as, the, cycle, as the economic cycle comes back around for that society, they can then start reinflating to, re, to refinance and the cycle goes back around. Except major difference is it's very similar to Keynesian economics, except you're given the ability to inflate and deflate to the community health rather than to corrupt central bankers. Right? And I think that's a nice basis to start. And obviously, that you understand the economic system is far, far uh, deeper, deeper level than I do. And 
I think there's 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 a lot of knowledge happen there where we can start to teach the wider hybrid community and the developers on on how we could build that type of system so that we don't become uh, we don't live under the auspices of, of Bitcoiners. And I'm a Bitcoiner myself, but I don't want to have the ability to control the money and distribute that to whoever I want for whatever service I want to pay for or whatever price I want to pay for. Right? I want those communities and those societies to be able to inflate their own currencies and then deflate them in the good times, predict you know prior to the the bad time cycles to to create some kind of stable currencies so that they can self-finance without having to be the early adopters of Bitcoin. And they can save in Bitcoin. Great. You know, that's what I think the free world looks like in the future. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from and, and uh, I see the point there. And, and certainly you hit upon a major, major factor is, is monetary equilibrium. And, and right. bringing this back to, to use HBD as an example, um, the expansion and contraction. Uh, before getting into that, I, I think it's important, at least in my mind, and, and maybe you guys disagree with me on this, um, but I view these in two separate categories. First off, we have Hive, which I think has more the characteristics of a stock. And it, it's kind of an ownership proposition it is speculative, it goes up and down, it's gonna have that up and down. Um, it's, its utility is different or its utility is a lot more than just transfer of value. In fact, the, the least likely use case ultimately is transfer of value. It will be for other purposes, like we discussed before, for resource sure. credits, for access, for ROI, for all that different stuff. Then you have HBD, which is a um, utility token. Basically, it provides for medium of exchange. It has that, hopefully, that stable pricing. It has the backing of the reserve, which is 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 high. But because of the relationship between the two, ultimately, we get to the point: if more HBD is required then the conversion mechanism of Hive can work, which ultimately, as we saw in 2021, turns Hive from an inflationary token to a deflationary token, at least according to the work of DAOs, who said we actually went down in 2021. Now, 2022 shaping up to be the exact opposite, which is fine, but that gives you that monetary elasticity yes, that you're yes. talking about. And if you take that to the community level, what, what my mind says is, and you mentioned the central banks, well, central banks, your major central banks don't do money because they don't do the fiat currency. Everybody thinks, oh, the Fed's printing money. Well, they're not printing legal tender. They don't print dollars. The commercial banking system does the dollars. So when we talk about the shadow banking system, that's where the monetary expansion and contraction takes place. And that's driven by all these bilateral agreements and trilateral agreements that these banks are putting together. Well, effectively, those banks, to, to convert it to the, the terminology you just used, you can look at a bank as a community. So now you have all these different communities that are setting up their own form of money, if you will, even if it's more like a stock token than a utility token. It, it's okay, we have our token and we pass it back and forth. And as our community grows, the token value grows. Well, it would, and it would be through a DAO as well. It'd be through a DAO, you know. They, yeah, it could be through a DAO. But a DAO is, a DAO yeah. is going to be a community because it's going to be held by 
different individuals holding the tokens or or staking the DAO, um, or somehow sure. like we all effectively have a piece piece of the DHF because we own Hive, and that's all part of the Hive ecosystem. So yeah, it could be through through a DAO, but what whatever the structure is, you have your community that has the ability through whatever mechanism you set out for taxing through like we have on hive and what what ust tried to do through the conversion mechanism whatever system you set up it has the ability to expand and contract and guess what if it's a community that everybody joins and then everybody leaves it's going to contract to zero it's going to go away it'll dry die off it'll be just something people aren't interested in if it's real madrid and the real madrid community or the um manchester united community Hey, those are very popular teams and, you know, they probably have many generations of fans still to come. So they could go long term and, and constantly be expanding over the years. So, you know, I think this is really when you talk about changing the monetary system, that's how you're changing it because you're putting all these and this is what the maxis are not looking at. Exactly. It's already taken place. Get past the U.S. dollar, get past the euro, because you know what? Most of the world's transactions that are done aren't done in those currencies anyway. It's done through the euro dollar system. That's where 90% of all lending takes place. And there's no dollars involved in that. They're swapping out interest rate swaps or or uh, LIBOR future contracts or whatever the hell they're 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 using. There's no dollars involved. It's, it's not. It's not in the economic system, right? It's not. This is the thing. It's not in the. Dollars and euros, and where we spend them in the shops. That's a separate economic system. You've got this euro dollar system sitting on top of that, right? And this is where. It's. It, I, I assume it's quite shady. I'm assuming there's lots of mistakes that have been. Uh, if there's an economic crash, I assume, but. Um, this is the beauty of doing it with the blockchain ledger system. It, it's all going to be on the chain. So people are going to be much more cautious about where they allocate risk because it's going to be transparent. You know. Well, the, the thing about this system, Matt, is it, it's relationship. So it, it's like you and I, you're a bank, I'm a bank. I go to you for a loan. I put up some collateral. I have incentive to deliver on the collateral if, if I do uh default on the loan and what's my incentive you and i have been doing business for 20 years right if if i default and i come back to you tomorrow or next week to do another deal you're going to tell me to go pound sand and sure. this is one of the reasons why and it's very interesting once you start to understand this and you step back and watch uh real world activities it starts to make sense <clears throat> What is our monetary system? Our monetary system really is accounting, ledger, and communication system in this day and age of networks. And that's why when people say like sanctions by the United States, the United States is going to sanction Russia. So we sanction Russia and we kick the two biggest banks off the SWIFT network. Well, SWIFT network isn't a settlement system. It's a, it's a messaging service. Mm -hmm. what, what the hell does that have to do with anything? It's because our monetary system has communications built in, which blockchains are. But even more importantly, okay, so you kick the, the largest Russian bank off the SWIFT network. You're telling me that banker still doesn't have relations with the bankers in Japan? 
This is mm. why sanctions don't work in this regard, because the Russian banker just picks up the phone and calls the Japanese banker and says, listen, uh, I need $25 million. I'll put up uh, 25. I'll, I'll, I'll over collateralize by 106%. I'll use three monthly bores and I'll pay this interest rate. And the Japanese banker says, listen, Dimitri, you're just too hot. I can't touch you right now. You're, you're, you're radioactive. We can't do anything. Okay, I understand. Guess what happens 10 minutes later? The Japanese banker gets a call from a banker in UAE who says, I need $25 million. I'll over collateralize by 106%. We'll use a uh, three-month LIBOR and this interest rate that I'll, I'll pay. Okay, it's the same damn deal. They just did it. They just did a bilateral deal with UAE instead of Russia. And the Japanese banker has no idea of the bilateral agreement between the UAE bank and the Russian bank. And this is why these things don't work because it's all off balance sheet. It's all outside yeah. the Fed. It's outside the US government. It's outside the EU. Nobody sees it. And it's just like cryptocurrency. They say cryptocurrency is going to fail. It's never going to work. It, the banks will shut it down. This will shut it down. It's like, no, we have 70 years of history that they can't shut the damn thing down. So if there's a community for Real Madrid that has, uh, it's built on decentralized technology. There's enough front ends where if they close one front end down, it's like whack-a-mole. Three more open up. They have a token that's traded, that's decentralized, it's distributed. There's no address to go after, no leader, no founder, nothing. What the hell are they going to do? They got to shut down nodes. Well, if you got 100 different nodes running, how do you shut down all those nodes? You shut down one node, another node shows up in South Korea. I mean, it, it's just you have nodes all over the place. So what do you do? Nothing. You can't shut it down. And that's why, going back to the original uh part that we talked about. That's why I'm so enthusiastic about Speak Network, because you guys are actually decentralizing the infrastructure to build all this crap on. Exactly. exactly. That's where this goes, you know. It's like it's non-chain infrastructure that's going to be incentivized now, you know. This is the important thing. And by the way, um, that reminds me, just a slight sidetrack, We've been working with Debus because Debus is, is a nice, um, slick, simple front end. And, and they like obviously, three speaks uploading system is quite complicated because we've got to upload with a video. And then there's like a delay with the, up, with the upload period and the encoding period. And then we've got to post while you're logged off. You know? So there's, it's a bit more complicated to implement. But the ceramic accounts, Debus agreed to work with us to implement these ceramic accounts. And they've now got off-chain ceramic accounts. I believe they're released tonight. They're releasing their Debus live version tonight. This is an off-chain system. So we're going to obviously test with them and practice with them a bit more and there's going to be probably myriad bugs that we've got to fix but the point is that there is an open source free system for anyone to go run a node and now have off-chain accounts and it's it's run through an off-chain indexer so everything you post those off-chain accounts goes to the off-chain indexer and that indexer now can be that the data on the indexer is available to anyone else running a node right so you so it means that any other front end can present that data to their own front end as well and any other front end can implement those accounts so this, and then, and then, check this out. We run a honeycomb node layer that references the off-chain ceramic accounts and then clears on Hive for the transactions. So now you don't even need a blockchain account. This isn't built yet. This is all kind of stuff in the, in the, in the, pipe, in the pipe works, you know? But the point is you can have ceramic accounts and you could receive Ethereum. We've got the wrapping mechanism to bring it to Hive. 
yeah and then we got a wrapper onto um onto the honeycomb system the honeycomb uh system can reference the uh the ceramic accounts off chain and just keep a track of where the currency is and then send the cus once it clears and sends the custom json to hive to clear boom and this all happens in one in three seconds irre irreversibly with zero fees so now you don't even need a freaking blockchain. No, it's not now, but in the future, you won't even need a blockchain account to send money. This is going to be insane, you know, but that's where this stuff goes. And I just wanted to mention that because the ceramic network, I think, is going to be very, very powerful. This whole off-chain stuff, and the beauty of this off-chain stuff is what it does effectively is it's batching. Batching times, but it won't be like live up to date. It removes load off the chain, and then because you're you're going to be transacting boosting on, you're not going to put your LOL comment on chain, which probably you know. Let's let's assume Hive goes big and it scales and there's six billion users, right? What um, with the chain infrastructure and the incentivizing of that will allow us to do is take all that shit that doesn't need. These block trades and, and the dev team doing amazing work to, to make Hive more efficient and then to allow it to scale. They've done some amazing work. That's probably the most scalable chain in the world by far. And it's proven that because it's position number four on blockivity. It's not even swaying. Um, once you in include that with off-chain ceramic accounts, I mean, this thing can scale forever. You know, it's going to be able to scale forever, you know. And then the other thing is the sign-up process is a lot easier. For example, you can log in to uh, Debuzz Live with your MetaMask. Right, and it'll it connects your light, your ceramic light account to your MetaMask account. So now Ethereum users are going to be able to sign a transaction and say, "This is my my ceramic account. This is my Ethereum account. They're linked together. Sign into this app with my Ethereum account via MetaMask." Right, this shit is coming, and um, it just means that we're going to have all these different chains interlinking and operating. We're going to have the other versions of them on the honeycomb layer that I was discussing before where the, the, the DPoS voting system is, is less corrupt and the corruption is removed. Um, we're going to have the free transactions. We're going to have the off-chain. I mean, it's just the, the, the off-chain infrastructure as well, the off-chain accounts. It's going to be like a complete package. And so then you think about like the, like the sign-up process. You're going to have a, a MetaMask sign-up. So anyone who's got an Ethereum account or MetaMask already used, they can just use a MetaMask to come in. Or you're going to have like the, the ordinary users and they're going to get one key this time. They're going to sign in, they're going to get one key and that key will give them sovereignty over their account. But they'll know, they'll, they'll be able to, because the problem with Hive, you've got four keys. It's just like new users, like what the hell is this, right? When you get given your key, you store that, you know it's your one key, you log in with that key. And then after a while, you'll see these Hive accounts bouncing around and they'll have like additional features. They'll have like, you know, more immutable storage. They'll have more access to different things. They'll be able to make more different tokens and different money. And... You're looking, you go, oh, I want one of those hive accounts. So you'll put the money to get that hive account. But the point is that it's like a two-step signing mm -hmm. process then. And I, th I think that's going to be another way to make things a lot easier. Um, for, for, and, and the other thing is that ceramic accounts can scale forever. Right? There's no like... And so it just, you can create a million ceramic accounts. And we're going to have to... ...be a bit of a challenge. But that's the challenge that will meet. Um, but that's so that's another exciting side tangent on what we were talking about before. But that's another side side thing that's going on here that I'm super excited about. So yeah, I just I just hope I hope that we can you know it makes it a lot easier. You know we make it easier to implement those um, off chain accounts. 
because uh, it's just going to give them another dynamic angle they can use, provide different services, having to go all over use high for every single transaction that they do. Yeah, yeah I, I mean it, it's it's amazing. I I think you know we we learned that with listeners and, and watching what uh, John and and Blaine and and their team has done. You know, a lot of this is not everything has to be on chain. So it's going to be a combination of of on chain stuff and off chain stuff. I mean, let's be honest, some stuff does belong on a server based system. Uh, not every, like you said, LOL needs to be necessarily uh, put on hive. But if I can see the LOL in my listener comment because, or excuse me, in my Leo finance comment or my speak network or my three speak comments, because it reads from two different databases, uh, that, that, that's perfectly acceptable. So anyway, Matt, uh, we're about out of time here. I mean, you and I could go on for, for, for another five hours. And unfortunately, because of technical difficulties, we got to keep restarting the Zoom thing and, and whatnot. Um, so we're probably going to have to cut it short. What I'd like to do is I'd like to open the invitation maybe in the, the next few weeks. We'll, we'll have you back again. Uh, you're a wealth of knowledge. I, I don't know if John agrees, um, but who cares what he thinks anyway. So uh, <laughs> he just hits the record button and says, yeah, I'm just here to press the record button. Man. Just, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's always a great conversation. I learn a lot. I think John learns a lot. You, you sure. guys are involved in the plumbing of this new system we're trying to create. And I think it's very powerful. And uh, so I, I think, you know, maybe uh, every once in a while we'll, we'll skip our Q and A and have you come on if you can, maybe on a Friday and uh, you know, enlighten us with some of the later goings on. I mean, I, I did not realize, I don't know about you, John, I did not realize the idea of forking, you know, every, almost every blockchain under the sun and just, you know, cutting out the founders and making depots. I mean, that just blows me away. Why not? And it, 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 you guys do because you guys are the content creators. You know, you guys are the, you guys are set up to do that. You consider all the angles. You've got your technology. I'm not that guy, right? I, I'm happy to work away. I do a lot of considering of things with Dan and the, 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 the three speak team and the speed network team. You know, that's what we do. We keep that shit operating. I do what I need to do to keep that moving forwards. We we, we keep the meetings going. We do everything we need to, need to do to support the team. And we're just trying to constantly consider how do we improve this software? How do we make something better? And if I can impart some of that thinking onto you guys, and then you guys can go away and you know show your audiences what what that is, and, and maybe even expand on it and come back to us with hey, from this angle. That you know, it's just it just creates a win-win win-win thing there. And I just I just so I, I appreciate these conversations, and I think there's lots lots to come from them. You know. Oh, dude, I mean, we appreciate it. I mean, I know, you know, speaking on behalf of Blaine and myself with old CTP, I mean, one of the, the first things we teach people in our training is, okay, cool, you got your Hive account. Well, you're a content creator. 3Speak, go to 3Speak. This is where you want to go. Stop going to YouTube. YouTube is great, whatever, fine, who cares? Go to 3Speak and just things like that, the tools that will allow someone like myself and my community that has been, indoctrinated in these web two things to generate traffic, generate awareness. Now we can do it on the blockchain. I mean, dude, appreciate it. Appreciate three speak and everything you guys are doing. So just keep pushing and we'll keep going too. Honestly, hopefully we're coming to a place in the near future where the communities themselves are going to be able to run all this themselves. You won't even need to use three speak. You know, we're going to be at a place fairly soon where you'll have your own platform. You'll have your own video 
nodes encoding on your own computers or, or members of your communities will be able to volunteer that stuff or maybe even receive a little bit of a payment for it. You'll have your storage done through your community members, um, your content delivery as well, and it, you, you won't even need to rely on FreeSpeak. Um, so that, that's coming, you know, and like I, I just think it's super important for sovereignty, super important for independence online, and yeah, just bring it on. It's, 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 it's coming. And, and, and they could have CTP speak. They could take the front end and right, right, and just relabel exactly. it, and boom, good to go. Exactly. Don't go speak. Come on. Don't so, go speak. And, and, and if you consider it, the, the way it works, so let's say initially we don't fully decentralize because we still build in the tech, but we can give you the API to use our infrastructure. So we'll take a beneficiary to cover our costs that you guys are consuming by using our uploader, our storage, everything like that. But then there's going to be a certain point once the speak network's up and running that you guys will be able to run that technology on your own nodes yourselves. You won't even need to speak to us, you know, um, at, at which point, yeah, we won't need to take a beneficiary. All the beneficiaries will stay with you guys and, you know, you guys will be completely sovereign. Maybe there's a point where you've got so much storage, you'll come back to the speak community and say, hey, guys, can we store some of these videos with you guys, right? And then they'll come back to you and say, hey, this is the price or whatever, you know, there'll be a market way to get the price. You'll send some bracker um, and, and incentivize it that way. And hopefully that is cheaper than having to set up your own Web2 server to store everything centrally and pay for that every month and everything like that. You know, and that's where I think this is going you know, in terms of the economics and making it cheaper and more competitive. So, yeah, bring Excellent. it on. And it's going to just enable your communities to, to, to discuss, release tokens, have sovereignty, and take over the world with your listeners. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> thank you, Matt. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Cryptomaniacs podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to hanging out with you again next week.